It's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast. This is the March Madness Edition, sponsored by LG Insurance. Steve Titchener in the studio with Matt Lachlan and uh, John McAlevey is on the line. And we'll get to the matchups uh, for Thursday and Friday. But first, let's uh, let's talk Seton Hall and Rutgers, whose seasons came to an end. And we'll uh, put a bow on it and, uh, and then move on to the rest of March Madness. And uh, let's start with Seton Hall because um, we got Matt here and back in the studio. Matt, a struggle out uh, in San Diego. Uh, they were never in that game with TCU. I mean, what uh, what did you see? No life, yeah. no no desire. They they were a team that was just about beaten before they took the court. It looked like. I mean, they had an early flurry where they were kind of in it, but after that, they didn't seem to have an offensive plan. Uh, they were dominated inside, and then once that ball started to roll downhill, there was no way of stopping it. It was it was a difficult thing to watch. Uh, it ended the season on a sour note, and unfortunately, it is what it is. It kind of epitomizes what happened a bit down the stretch. They struggled in the Big East tournament, didn't look good there, and it carried over to their eight versus nine matchup. Willard, was he, uh, you know, the fact that he was moving on, I, there was certainly some heavy rumors and some whispers. Do you think it could have been of a, a distraction to a certain extent, Matt? Uh, for the players, perhaps, sure. Yeah. Um, look, is it a distraction right now for St. Peter's? And I know we'll we'll get there. You play for the coach. You know, we, we talk about all this stuff. Oh, you should go to the school and it's about the school and it doesn't matter. Who. No, it matters who the coach is. You're recruited and, and you are enthralled by the coach wanting you. And then when he goes, you're kind of left hanging the bag. Now, for Seton Hall, it's a slightly different story because they were they were veterans. Those guys were leaving anyway. But I think it was a bit of a distraction. I don't know if it distracted Willard at all, but... Boy, at some point, and, and I say this, and there may be more coming out. I have no idea. But they were not the same team emotionally when Bryce Aiken went out. We know on the court they weren't the same team. But I was at a lot of games this year. The team that was winning, and I know teams that win look different than teams that lose. But the teams that were winning, or the team that was winning, earlier in the year when they were highly ranked and they were knocking off a of Michigan and they were beating Rutgers and they beat Texas and Everyone had visions of sugar plums dancing in their head. Emotionally was not the same team, not just in the last game, in the last half of the season. Something was amiss. They were not together. That much is clear. Whether or not that comes out, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Whether there's more to this story that will come out as time goes by, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that team just did not look connected, and it showed against TCU. And Jared Roden certainly uh, had, you know, Seton Hall's best player, uh, you know, had a rough go the last two games. And, uh, you know, look, he got into foul trouble right away. And it seemed like as soon as he got into foul trouble, it's like these guys are in trouble. And, uh, again, scoring was a huge thing. Just could not get the ball in the bucket. Well, that's for sure. And Roden was not their best player. He should have been. But he was not for a good part of the season for whatever reason. And, again, that that mm -hmm. goes back to what I'm saying. There's something – wrong here I don't know what it is but he was not the player everyone thought he would be he had some moments he had a 30 point outburst you know uh, late in the season but he was not the mm -hmm. consistent performer and and maybe that was just part of it they they lost Aiken they they lost their other key player in terms of his ability to have an out uh, have a have an impact on the outcome of the game and that was it I mean I, I 
Miles Kale was whatever. I, I don't know. They talked about brotherhood and they talked about how Seton Hall was so important to them. And I take them at their word, but there was it just didn't look like it on the court. And uh, Shaheen Holloway, he'll move on now. Oh, you know, everybody, we were talking about it last show. John and I basically once once St. Peter's uh, ends this improbable run, which is, well, let's face Cutting it. Cutting down the nets on April is, 4th, Johnny. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I tell you, he's got, it's an amazing story. I mean, Steve and I were talking in the last show that we recorded earlier this week, how right at the end, we just kind of like threw St. Peter's a bone and the, you know, the NCAA preview saying, Hey, a great season for the, for uh, the Peacocks and they get Kentucky. Well, way to go. Nice season. And then here they are. They, they take out the mighty Kentucky Wildcats. They take out Murray State, who was like 31 and two. And they get to play down in Philadelphia, where I understand half of the campus is going to make their way down the turnpike, which should be awesome. They get a huge Purdue team with Zach Eady and, and Williams and the boys up front. Um, and, you know, it's it's a tremendous story. And I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about moving on to Seton Hall until one more game. He'd like to be talking about his Peacocks for one more game. but. Um, yeah, I think it's the worst kept secret that that Kevin Willard was moving on, and I think it's also the worst kept secret that Shaheen Holloway is obviously option A, B, and C, and he will probably be the next coach at his alma mater, and that should be you know good for all parties. Matt, I really liked your tweet um, about Kevin Willard. You said all the right things. You know, you wished him luck. He took over a program that was sort of up in the air, and he made them competitive again. He took them to NCAA tournaments. He didn't have success in them, but he took them there. He graduated his players. He was a good, a good soldier. And, you know, you wish him luck. And that's all, you know, an, an alum can, can really want for their school. And I think you'll, you and, and the rest of your brethren will welcome Shaheen back with open arms. Well, I, I think you're right there. There's a couple of things I, that strike me. One is I think Kevin had plateaued at Seton Hall. You know, he had, not been able to get them past that opening weekend for the most part, opening game for the most part. And I think he had plateaued a little bit. And I think the way, again, whether it was because he had one foot in the Maryland job and half his brain was there and that impact, again, something was not right with this team from the halfway point of the season on. But nonetheless, I think he had plateaued at Seton Hall. And I think the timing is perfect for him, certainly financially. And for the Hall with a chance, they weren't going to fire him. So, you know, they had a chance to hire uh, and get a, a fresh face in there. Now, if I'm Shaheen Holloway, by the way, Kevin Willard handled that incredibly poorly. Uh, oh. he, he, you know, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Anthony Fucilli, Fuch, uh, who works Rutgers football, football sidelines and uh, has worked at MSG Networks forever. He was of the opinion the other day that that Kevin came in, he just was – he didn't. He wanted to deflect from the embarrassing loss that Seton Hall suffered against TCU. He didn't want to have to answer why he had no answers, why the team was listless, why he couldn't come up with any sets that worked. And so in that panic, according to Fooch, he just blurted out like, you know, well, if I'm not here, he knew a question was going to come about his future. And then he says, well, you know, if I'm not here, uh, I'd be happy if Shah's here. He would make me the happiest. Like, what are you doing here? You know, the way you answer it, even though it's BS, we always want honesty. But when honesty is shown in a way that's somewhat classless, 
and we recoil. What he should have said is what everyone would have accepted. I'm not sure. These are my guys. I've died with these guys, lived and died with these guys for four or five years. I hurt for them and will address the future. But then he compounds the whole thing by saying, well, I, I haven't even talked to my agent. and I, I don't know what's going on. Oh, come on. It's like Rick Pitino saying he didn't know what was going on at Louisville yeah. when his assistants were paying players and bringing in hookers for the dads of recruits to have some fun with yeah. in the dorm named after Pitino's brother-in-law. So cut me right. right. He knew that. It's like Will Wade saying, I don't know what was going on at LSU while my assistants were trying to get $100,000 payoffs from my player. By the way, Wade's gone now this year. It was like Miller out in Arizona not knowing. Some of his guys go to jail. Some people associated with that go to jail, and Miller's going to get another job. So don't tell me you didn't know what was going on, that you didn't talk to your agent. Come on. But he handled it terribly. He handled it terribly. He should have given the Pablum answer and walked off and then flew down to uh, or drove down, probably flew down to Maryland, talked to the AD, finish up the negotiation, sign the papers, and announce that he was resigning. So basically, just a situation where he's just said too much. I mean, you know, give the give these give the uh, give the answer that everybody's expecting, which is, and I think he was trying. Actually, I think he was trying to be very forthright and honest, but it just became a mess. Well, he threw his yeah. own guy. Now, so now, what is what is Shaheen Holloway supposed to say to his St. Peter's guys? Said, well, yeah, guys, you know, like I'm kind of out of here, right? Now we're all big boys. We put the pants on. In the morning, we go to work. We get it. Those St. Peter's players know it. There's a transfer portal. Guys come and go all the time. They understand. But in their magic moment, in their moment that's going to be part of NCAA lore and something that they will talk about around the Thanksgiving Day table for the rest of their lives and be asked about forever and be toasted forever uh, on the campus of St. Peter's, it's like, oh, man, can't even enjoy it for five minutes because because our, our guy's leaving. And that's going to be the focus. So that's one observation. Number two, if I'm Shaheen Holloway's agent, I call up Brian Felt, the AD at Seton Hall, and saying, listen, we know, and they've probably been talking about it for a while. There's probably was this plan. I mean, Felt wasn't shocked that Kevin Willard was leaving. So he, and we mentioned this earlier, every AD around the country has to have a list of replacements. Believe it or not, Rutgers has a replacement idea for Greg Schiano. In case he ups and leaves, not suggesting it's going to happen. You have to know what your next step is. You can't start from zero. So nobody was shocked here. But if I'm the agent for Shaheen Holloway, I go to Brian Felt, the AD at Seton Hall, and say, oh, oh, by the way, this is a done deal, and your alums are all excited. And this is a great opportunity to bring home somebody who played for the school, had NCAA success at the school, uh, you know, uh, has a great reputation as a recruiter, you know, prodigal son comes home, all that stuff. That story is now costing you another quarter of a million dollars a year, whatever you were going to pay him. And it's probably close to a million dollars. I mean, Willard was making over two, so it's probably a million or more. Now it's going to be a million plus because now you're playing, you know, a little bluffing game at the poker table there, because if Seton Hall says no, then you're back, you know, uh, coaching at St. Peter's. But Holloway's reputation is such that maybe he might just say, you know what, there'll be another school out there that wants me or I'll come back for another year here. I don't know that will happen, but I might give it a try.
So you're saying that Shaheen Holloway could should be annoyed by this in a sense, but that's certainly a distraction. Or at least take advantage move. of it. Yeah, yeah, with his move. move you say with it's his a done team. deal. Well, I haven't yeah. signed anything, so yeah. it's going to cost you another quarter of a mil. Because and let let's look. The one thing with Seton Hall is they've got their their star guard coming home, who's done a phenomenal job with the St. Peter's program. So for him to just come into the, the Seton Hall job, listen, I mean, moving forward, Matt, if it is Shaheen Holloway. The future looks bright for Seton Hall. Well, you got to recruit, and so we'll see. Uh, we'll see who stays. There are guys who came here because of Kevin Willard. Maybe some of those young guys leave. Uh, they're going to have to fill a lot of spots. Uh, so, you know, the transfer portal is going to come into play there. There are a lot of things that are unknown. Uh, but I do think if he if he does come to Seton Hall, and as you said, all all signs are pointing that way, I think it is a good thing for for my alma mater. And John, what are your thoughts on uh, Holloway moving forward? Um, is it a, is it a distraction for the game uh, this weekend on Friday night? I don't think so. I, I think he, you know, he's got his guys dialed in, and all he has to do is play the David versus Goliath. And uh, you know, as a coach, you love to go in the locker room and 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 hold up all the prognostications of everybody picking against you and you pull up the Kentucky thing. I was just looking at something on, on the Providence website and they had um, all of the, the big sports writers around the country. There were 16 or no, 11 sports writers in the top ones. And they had them pick all the sweet 16 games and every one of them picked Kansas. Well, don't you think that Ed Cooley's going to hang that in a locker room? So I think Shaheen's going to do that. And I, I think he's playing with house money right now. He's having a ball with this. He's loving this ride. He knows that his life is going to change, you know, the minute they lose. But I think he's in the moment right now. And I think his guys are in the moment. And who knows? They could come out and get their doors blown off on Friday night. That could happen. They, Cinderella could turn back into the pumpkin. But I think they've got a little something going right now. They're believing in themselves if they can – Get to that first national TV timeout, you know, the under 16 minute TV timeout and be within, you know, arm's length. He can bring them in and sit them down and say, here we are. We're right here. Mm. We can play our game. And, and I think that I don't think it's a distraction. I really don't. And I and if they do get blown out, I know for a fact or I, I have a feeling he will not use that as an excuse. He'll just say we were beaten by a better team and people will know that nine out of 10 times Purdue is the better team. No, for sure. And we'll get into the matchup a little further later in the show. Let's do a couple minutes on Rutgers. We did talk a lot about them in, in, in the last show, uh, but you know, you know, they went toe to toe Matt with, uh, uh, with Notre Dame, uh, very tough Notre Dame uh, team. And uh, you know, could that, that game could have gone either way. Season's over. Now it's the future. What's going to happen. Um, Pikel gets the extension, deserves the extension. You know, Ron Harper Jr., we all knew, just declared for the draft. I mean, Jaden Jones, their four-star recruiter, didn't get a lot of time. He declared for the draft. Not sure what his motive there. And maybe he's moving on in the portal because he certainly isn't going to get drafted. And so, you know, uh, Pikel's got to hit the uh, the portal in the offseason. But, um, you know, it, it, he, he saved the season for, for sure. Did a great job regrouping these guys after a horrendous start. They did make the tournament, but it seems, Matt, like next year, probably taking a step back. Well, you certainly hope that that's not the case. I mean, if you look at who they've lost, they, they lose an incredibly large part of the reason they had a successful season. 
you know, we'll see what Paul Mulcahy can do. You know, we'll see what uh, Amori does, how he comes back. We'll see what Mag might be able to do. I mean, you know, there are some pieces there, but yeah, it's it's not the same without Baker and without uh, Harper. There's no doubt about that. And John, you know, um, in going into next year, you know, Peichel's got his hands full. We talked about this last uh, last show. Uh, he really does have to hit that portal hard. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your final thoughts on what they need to do uh, to improve that team uh, for for next year? They need to find at least two guys who can, as I like to tell the kids on my team, who can ring the bell. Because right now they have no one that can score consistently coming back. I mean, Paul Mulcahy's a nice, you know, is a nice player, and we go back and forth with him. To me, he's maddening. To me, I think he. He winds up keeping both teams in the game because he makes good plays and then he makes boneheaded plays. And he, um, so right now they need to find at least two scorers because you and I talked the other day. They have they play great defense and that's what they hang their hat on. But they can't score. And if you can't score with Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., how are you going to score next year without either one of them? I mean, they might not even reach the fifties. I'm thinking in some of these games mm-hmm. because Cliff Amore is not an offensive player outside of throwing up lobs um, and tip jams and, and around, around the basket, maybe make a free throw, a couple of free throws a game. So they need to find scorers in the portal. But you know what? That's what everybody's looking for. Most teams yeah. are looking for a, a finishing player to sort of round out their team and, and come up with guys that can, that can score. So that's what they really need to do. And he needs to, as Matt said, like when Shaheen comes in, he needs to hit the road and recruit. He needs to get guys that are, that are serious players. I mean, some of the recruits you talked about, Jaden um, was a four-star guy, but Jane Jones never sniffed it this year for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got there and, and they found out that he wasn't the player that all of these recruiting recruit Knicks build them up to be four-star guy. Maybe they got him there and said, my gosh, he can't help us at all. Because if they thought that he could help them, he wouldn't have been rotting at the, the bench, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it just comes down to, you know, you and I were kidding around the other day. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? So they need they need guys that can score. And if they can't find them, it could be a big step back because right now, if you were to put a starting five out right now, I don't I couldn't tell you who it would be outside of Mulcahy and Amori and you know, hopefully Caleb McConnell will come back. He's that glue guy that sort of keeps it together. Maybe Andre Hyatt, but is that Hyatt, Mag, um, anybody? Rebirth backing up Omori. He's not, he shouldn't be backing up Omori. He's a four. So, and, it, and he can shoot and he's a good, he's a smart player and uh, yeah, he can help the a, team. But no, I mean, yeah. he's not a, no, he, look, he's, he's a solid a player. Guy. I mean, he's, yeah, but he's, he's not more of a, you know, stopgap, seven, eight minute a game guy. I, if he's playing more than that, then that means that they really struck out on the board. Then are you in trouble? Well, that's the point, man. They've got to get it back up center. That's the one big, very clear thing. And then I, I agree with you. They got to get a score and come in right away and and start and, and score would be great to see. I still think there's a lot of upside with Hyatt and Mag, and it'd be great to see Callum McConnell come back too. We've talked about that, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of work in the off season, and you hope that Peichel has a better. Uh, better uh, performance in, in the portal because, you know, last year some some uh, needs weren't met. And um, one would hope 
that going into uh, to next year that they they do add a few pieces because I agree with we, both you guys that it absolutely absolutely have to uh, have to hit that portal and, and, and get a couple of uh, get a couple of players. So uh, well, let's take a break and then we'll talk about the matchups for the weekend. When we'll start with uh, we'll start with St. Peter's. At LG Insurance Agency, our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home, car, and business insurance. LG Insurance Agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs. LGinsuranceagency.com or search LG Insurance Agency. And we're back on the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by... LG Insurance uh, and March Madness, as mad as ever, boys. Uh, let's see. We got uh, three number ones left. Baylor got knocked out, but we got Gonzaga still in. Kansas is still in. Um, who am I missing here? There's another number one still in there. Arizona. Arizona. Arizona, who looks like, uh, boy, they look unbeatable to me. Um, while, whereas Gonzaga actually did look beatable at one point. Well, let's let's talk about the the big one here. The, you know, this is the Jersey Hardwood podcast, and we got a we got a Jersey team from Jersey City that's just been playing amazing, amazing basketball. No, the number fifteen seed St. Peter's going up against now going up against Purdue. And Matt, I'll throw this to you. The big difference now is, come on, you know Calipari, you know he got ready for the team, but he didn't he didn't t- tear that team apart. They figured probably that they were going to roll. In that first round, you know, you know, Matt Painter now is, is you know, they're going to do a heavy, heavy look at St. Peter's. So they're certainly not. The thing is, they're not surprising anybody. They're not going to surprise Purdue. Purdue's been able to watch them throughout the tournament and at least scout them through the tournament and and and, and kind of see where their strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that the coaches didn't respect the opponent. I think the players didn't respect the opponent. And that was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that Purdue will clearly be be ready for this one. I think St. Peter's does provide a little bit of, of a tough matchup. They're heavily, heavily, heavily the underdog as they should be. But I think, you know, they have that kind of Princeton-esque look to their offense, Johnny. I don't know what you think, but a lot of back cuts. They're patient. They can hit the outside shot. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of size. That's very Princeton-esque as well. Um, I, you know, I, I, I agree with the, an earlier statement that you made. The the first few minutes of this game could be critical. It doesn't mean that if they go down the stretch, St. Peter's will definitely come away with the win. But they need to be able to rattle the Purdue cage early. I don't think they're a comeback team here. I think that if, if Purdue comes out and uses its size and exerts its influence on the outcome uh, early and it's a 10-point deficit or what have you, it's like Katie barred the door. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's the old saying, you know, and this is what um, they're going to say from the from the Purdue side. Hey, listen, the more you let a team like this hang around with us, the more you give them confidence and think that they can actually beat us. And so Purdue obviously is going to come out. I don't think it's, you know, I'm, in, I'm telling anybody anything they don't already know. They're going to bounce the ball inside and they're going to say, Come get some. You're going to have to try and stop Edie and Williams on the block. Uh, of course, they'll sprinkle in the tremendous Jaden Ivy. I mean, that kid is a, is a treat to watch. And, you know, that's what they're going to do. It's going to be they're going to try to impose their will. And as you mentioned, Matt, St. Peter's is not big. I think their best, their best big guy is, is that Nadefo, and he's only about 6'7". He's more of a like a small forward. 
Um, they're more of a guard oriented team. So it'll be, you know, different styles. And, and I, I just think I keep coming back to that first TV timeout. If they can get back to their benches within arm's length, mm-hmm. you know, all right, boys, we're here. We're here. We can do this. And then we'll run this game in four minute segments. We'll yeah. get to the 12 under the 12 minute timeout and we're still here. And then, you know, at that point, it's just going to be our shots falling or are they not falling? And um, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not going to get go sideways early. It, it very well could. But I'm, I'm hoping that we have a game in the second half. That's and, what I'm hoping. Yeah, and if they can keep it close, the crowd will be on their side. Everyone who's going to Wells Fargo Center, with the exception of the Purdue fans, want to see this upset. Yeah. Well, folks are going to tune in to watch it. They want to see the upset. They want to see if the first ever – 15 seed can make its way to the elite eight. That would be history making. This is joining two others in the sweet 16 out of the 15 seed as part of history, but you'll have your own history and this crowd would love it. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want to see that except for Purdue supporters and maybe, maybe, maybe big 10 supporters in general, but no, that crowd is going to entirely be on St. Peter's side. If they can stay close, hit some shots. Uh, Like I said, it's like when Princeton, you know, plays, you just like the way they play. It's kind of old school basketball. They're not going to pound you. They're not going to out physical you. They're not going to out athlete you. They're just going to play hoop and hoop fans love it. And that that's going to be fun to watch. I agree, man. I thought one of the positives for sure is that, Hey, they got a 90 minute bus ride, right? To Philly. And, uh, you know, nothing. And listen, man, they, they can play loose. I mean, they've surprised everybody. They're going to continue to play loose. I mean, Holloway has done a fantastic job here from, from a coaching standpoint. And you you know what? You, you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure Purdue travels pretty well. Um, you know, there's a lot. I know at the ra- at the rack or Jersey, uh, Jersey Mike's Arena, there's always a good amount of a Purdue fans there. So I, I think they do. Um, they do have a good alumni and they and they travel pretty well. But come on. I mean, you got to believe that Wells Fargo is going to be predominantly, uh, you know, rooting not only for the low, more more local team, but also the Cinderella here. Oh, and, giant and so, killers. Absolutely. So if they can get in the game, John, and they can and they can keep stay in the game. And as it gets later and later, just like Kentucky, um, this could this could get really it could be a lot of fun. Problem, I, yeah, I told you, is a concern with the, the size. The size of Purdue, That's the man. Hope. You want to be in it late. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for with my game. In the final yeah. five minutes, you want to be within, you know, a one or two score game. And then this way, you know, at that point, anything can happen. You know, anything in the world could happen. Somebody could foul out. You know, there could be you know, somebody banks in at three or somebody dribbles it off their foot. And, oh, my God, we got a chance to mm-hmm. really knock this out. I, what I do love from Shaheen is when he is asked the question, you know, do you think your, your guys are going to be intimidated? They see the big 10 team, they see Purdue. And I love that he smiled and he sort of laughed and he paused and he said, like, basically, come on, man. And then he said, I got kids that are Jersey and New York tough. Mm-hmm. You know, they know that they're not Purdue is not recruiting them. John Calipari didn't recruit any of my guys, but guess what? We beat him. We beat Murray State. So my kids, if they lose Friday night, it's not going to be because they were intimidated or they were afraid. I got tough kids. They're ball players, And they're going to go out and lay it all on the yeah. line. Yeah. Will it be enough? Yeah. Maybe not. You know, as we said, they could get blown out. But it's not going to be 
because they were afraid. They, they're going to well, take their shot. That said, they play their game. They're, yeah. they're backdoor cuts. They're, they're disciplined. They're not going to change on the fly. They have, yeah. They've had four days. They're not going to change the whole yeah. offense around. At least they don't think they are. But um, they're going to play their game. And if it's enough, terrific. And it'll be the greatest story. And as Matt said, everybody will be Peacock fans. <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure. Final five I minutes. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the stage. And maybe that's more hope than than real belief on my part. I don't think they'll be intimidated by it. I don't think suddenly they won't be able to run plays. I, I think Purdue has some pressure on it because they are Goliath. And here comes David with the slingshot. But they are <laughs> the best uh, the better of the two teams, unquestionably. So if they get into their game, it's it's all over. St. Peter's can't stay with them. Too much size, too much basketball talent. It's going to come down to execution on St. Peter's part, lack of execution, and maybe wilting under the pressure by Purdue. But if they execute, this game's done. Yeah, and you'd think that uh, St. Peter's would be intimidated by the big arena thing. I mean, look at the gym that they play in. Yeah, you know? I don't think and so. I mean, that's gone. They, they're playing like, with yeah. emotion now. That, but, yeah, but like, I, I don't. I agree with you, Matt. I don't. I don't think that's there. I just, and you, as you said, John, I don't think these guys get intimidated. Man, they've shown that they, they you know, they yeah. come to play. It, it, you know, isn't it funny that they show up as David with, um, if you want to encapsulate it, it's David. From Nutley with the bad cheesy seventies mustache, that's going to be slinging the uh, the slingshot, right? Doug Edder, man, that guy, I tell you, and he he's a quick release, and he does a lot. They do a lot of the backdoor cuts and things like that. I mean, they've got some some um, you know Holloway does some nice uh, set plays, and and they work. And and that kid's been that kid's been terrific. No, no, they've yeah. all been they've yeah. all been good, and Lee's been great uh, running things. No, it's it's been a fun run. And the Defoe's a you know, I mean, he's a, a little undersized at six seven, but he's uh, you know the the uh, what M A A C uh, defensive player of the year like yeah, three Mac, years in a row. Yeah, yeah, the Mac Max best defensive player. Yeah, no question. So, um, yeah, Friday night uh, we'll see. Friday night about just after seven o'clock uh, tip off there. Uh, let's talk about just a couple matchups, and then we'll move, and then we'll move on here. But uh, uh, let's talk about. I wanted to get your take, you Big East boys. Uh, you know, Michigan, the surprise team to get in the, uh, the Sweet Sixteen, as they were a bubble team. Uh, they seem to be putting it together, but they get uh, they get uh, Villanova. What, what's your thoughts of that matchup, uh, Matt? I mean, Villanova's going to win. Yeah, I, I just think that Villanova with their just their seasoned man and and Colin Gillespie is such a solid po- a point guard, and they've got they've they've got everything, John. Um, on that team and, 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 uh, and, and a great coach. Uh, but Michigan's been playing well. We'll see how Michigan has been playing well, but you know, the more you watch Villanova, they're, they're almost like a cyborg. You know, they don't, they just all do everything in lockstep. I mean, they make free throws. I saw a stat they're shooting as a team, 86.5% from the free throw line, which is the best in, NCAA history, okay? I mean, you can't get much better than that. So they make free throws. They don't beat themselves. They pump fake. They get guys off the ground. Invariably, watch for that. They get the ball inside. They up fake people, and they get to the free throw line. They defend. They just, the old team takes on the character of the coach. They just don't beat themselves, and they play the exact same game, game in and game out. And I, I just think that, Michigan is not going to be ready for them. I, yeah. I just think that. But you're still it, sick of them, John. I mean, you said that a couple of shows ago because oh, they're so good, God, right? You can't graduate fast enough. I mean, Gillespie <laughs> is the 
archidiacono. He can't he can't graduate fast enough. But <laughs> I saw something that said for those of you who are who can't wait for Colin Gillespie to graduate, they have a freshman on their roster right now. Angelo Brizzy is going to be the next Colin Gillespie. He's a really talented point guard who didn't have a chance to. They may have even redshirted him this year, but he's going to be the next in line of that. You know, point guard that's a pain in everybody's back. Because Jay Wright will develop him. That's a good coach, man. Sure. So sure. yeah, and he does. And yeah. you know what? To his credit, Jay Wright doesn't wheel out, roll out with McDonald's All Americans and even you know top ten and fifteen guys. He doesn't get that guy. Right. He gets the you know top one hundred guys. He really he really minds that you know Baltimore, Virginia area, Philly. And and he gets the the really good players from that area. He's really going to be fighting Kevin Willard now for that that you know pedigree in that area. Yeah. But they just play the same game each and every time out. It's it's amazing. They, mm-hmm. There's really no highs and no lows. They're just solid. Yeah. And and I, I just see them moving on. And we're recording this on th- Thursday morning. We have uh, uh, four games. Uh, uh, on uh, Thursday evening here. That was one of them along with uh, Gonzaga, number one, Gonzaga, number four, Arkansas, number two, Duke, number three, Texas Tech, and number one, Arizona versus number five, Houston. So, wow, uh, uh, exciting uh, matchups tonight. But let's leave it with this. And that's, uh, again, going back to Friday night. And Johnny, let's give you some time for number four, Providence versus the number one, big, bad, uh, Kansas. How are you feeling? I have to tell you, Watching ESPN and watching college basketball every year, um, Kansas is on pretty much every big Monday. You know, they're on all the time. So you get to know their personnel. And as someone from a small school, about 3,800, 4,000 kids with the basketball program, you know, you think your team is really good, but then you watch Kansas and I see them so much and I'm like, oh my God, we're going to actually line up and play against these guys? It's almost like, Wow, we're, we're we're stepping up in competition here, and you know all the names, and it comes back to that whole thing that I said about St. Peter's. I want to get to that first TV timeout, and I don't want to be losing eleven to one, and then you know Katie bar the door. <laughs> what scares me and gives me pause is that we played probably the best I've seen the team play in in many years against Richmond in the you know the round of thirty two. I hope that we didn't get that out of their system that they still have more of that there. And Richmond I, was real. They were playing really well. You guys just shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't miss. They were bombing threes from everywhere and everything was going in. Um, so that sort of gives me pause. What I, what I I'm hoping is that they're a really old team. They're very experienced. They have like three or four 50 year seniors so that if things do start to go the wrong way early, they're not going to, you know, let it really go. It scares me how they lost to Creighton in the semifinals of the Big East tournament. I'm hoping it's not one of those and that, you know, CBS wants to start running some reruns of Dr. Quinn medicine woman, because we're down 35 <laughs> points in the late in the first half. So I want to go four minute, every four minute intervals. I want to, I want to get and stabilize things. I want it to be, just give me a good game in the second half. And then if we can yeah. knock out, Kansas, that would be unbelievable. Matt, you've seen uh, Providence a bunch of times this year. You think uh, you think they got it into them for a big upset? Boy, it's going to be hard, uh, but they're hard to end. And listen, this is what the tournament's all about. Obviously, anything can happen. I think though, I think 
it's not going to be easy. But yeah, at Cooley's Club, they're playing with a little pixie dust, as I like to say, and let's see where they wind up going. I think it's a chance. I don't think it's a guarantee. And so Friday night, along with that uh, Purdue St. Peter's, Kansas Providence, you got number four UCLA and number eight North Carolina. That's a nice matchup. And there's UCLA back around looking to get in the final four again. Now they got Miles Johnson, uh, our guy from Rutgers. And then uh, how about this? Number 10 Miami and number 11 Ohio State. Some uh, some uh, low seeds there that are still, uh, still hanging around. So a lot of exciting basketball. One- Go on, give it to us, John. Two things for me. We could This could be the swan song for Coach K. Texas Tech True. will defend you the minute you get up, come out of the hotel. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be that could be really rough for them because because Duke plays a lot of young guys. Texas Tech will defend you, and they are really good. And how about Iowa State? They were two in twenty-two last year, and mm-hmm. this TJ Oselberger comes in. Hello, and now the in portal. The right, got a bunch of yeah, t- he, players he out of the portal. The portal, they're mm-hmm. all transfers, but they went from two and twenty-two. To the Sweet 16. No one's talking about this guy. That's unbelievable. And so did your Providence, too, John. Yeah, they, we, we hit the portal strong. We got some guys, and they weren't even really big. I mean, Al the Durham, theme here, you know? Yeah, there's a theme. You got to find the right guys that fit your mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin Manaya, Omar's son, was a was a nice player at South Carolina, but by no means was he, you know, even a top 25 portal guy. Same with Al Durham. But they just fit your system, and, and if you yeah. find guys that can fit in, and uh, and are all pulling on the same rope, then you can do some yeah. nice things. But um, yeah, I'm looking at that Iowa State team, and that that to me is is jaw dropping how they went from last year to this year. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm knocking on the door to the, the Elite Eight. So we're gonna follow it all, follow through the uh, weekend. We'll come back next week with another show, and uh, and we'll keep this March Madness thing going. Uh, so for this week, I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and uh, John McAlevey on the line. Check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you uh, SoundCloud, wherever you uh, get your uh, podcasts uh, from. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. We want to thank our sponsor, LG Insurance. Bye bye. The Jersey Hardwood Podcast is written and produced by Steve Titchener with co-hosts Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. The show is edited and mixed by Justin Coy at Sound Lounge, New York City. 